when people ask for a blessing, an exhaustive moral analysis should not be placed as a precondition for conferring it. For those seeking a blessing should not be required to have prior moral perfection. I'm recording this in uh, in advance for uh, Christmas break. I won't be around. I usually record these on Monday, and Monday's Christmas. Um, and I'll be traveling. Uh, I'll be actually going to Hawaii, and I was doing some research about Hawaii uh, because last time I was there, I got in some trouble. I actually almost got arrested because I was making too much noise. I found out it's illegal to laugh really loud in Hawaii. You have to keep it to aloha. Hi, everyone. Welcome. To episode 194, is it? Yes, 194. Getting there, close to 200. If it's your first time joining us, we start every episode with a dad joke. I hope that brought you joy. <laughs> and if it didn't, that's fine too. But um, please rate and review this podcast. Uh, not the dad jokes, if you didn't like them, but the podcast as a whole, wherever you're listening to it, because it helps other people find it. The best way that they can find it is through your personal recommendation. And we're so grateful for those of you who share this with your friends and family. If you choose to do, do so online, you liked an episode or you liked one of our blogs, uh, please make sure that you tag us. And if you do it on Instagram, uh, our handle is at Thought. Otherwise, you can find all of our info on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. That's M-A-N-N-A-F-F-T.com. And you can find all of our podcast episodes, our weekly psalm reflection there. And you can click on the subscribe button when you get to the site, and you can get that psalm reflection sent straight to your inbox every Wednesday morning to help prepare you uh, through another one of the readings for that upcoming Sunday liturgy. And uh, yeah, what else? Click on the give button while you're at the website if you feel so inclined and you can support the cost of this podcast for as little as $1 a month and we appreciate it. Thank you to all our patrons, all of our sponsors. Thank you to all of our longtime listeners. And thank you if this is your first time listening. Thanks for joining us. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy is that uh, it's Christmas. I love this time of year. I love seeing this time of year through the eyes of my children who just get so excited at all the lights and the festivities and the joy. They really embody that and make it into something completely um, beautiful for me. Um, and so as, as a kid and growing up, I kind of got, um, I don't know, a little jaded when it came to like holidays where gifts were involved, my birthday, Christmas, and, you know, we, we didn't grow up with a ton of money and, you know, I had probably unrealistic expectations about what things were going to look like. And I don't know, I always felt kind of sad around the, this time of year because I was very probably materially and selfish focused as a kid. I've grown out of that a bit. Um, I still have some baggage um, with that. I don't really care about the present part of it, but it, it always just kind of brings up these like not fun memories. So um, now that I've had kids, it's really helping uh, really just kind of transform that into something really fun and festive. So yeah, uh, my junk is that uh, all my days off and schedule are all like up in the air because, you know, we're, we're thankfully have a break uh, from a lot of our ministry events so we can kind of take a breather and rest and prepare uh, in the rest of this Advent season, and then Christmas, as you'll be hearing this, uh, in the Christmas season, to really just enjoy that. So, um, not much to complain about at all, but it's just, it is, I'm a very routine-oriented person, and so when my routine is disrupted, it feels like I have no idea where I am or what I'm doing. So, uh, my Jesus moment is that uh, today, as I'm recording this, it's Wednesday, December 20th, when I'm recording this, um, we were praying together as a staff. We pray together and do praise and worship every Wednesday at 1030 at St. Tim's in the courtyard. If you're ever around, join us and just pray with us for a half hour. Um, and it's just really beautiful to just be building that culture of spontaneous prayer and worship here. Um, and just to be able to, to gather together as a staff and really, 
anoint our our day and our campus to the Lord as often as we can. So yeah, very grateful for the team uh, that we have here at St. Tim's. So with that being said, let us get into our episode. We're always looking at the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, and this upcoming Sunday is the Feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so our second reading comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. And Or you might get an amended version that doesn't have the second part of this, which is the part that I'm mainly going to be focusing on. Um, so that's a bummer. But this is also a part that is often read at weddings, uh, at least the part that I'm going to, to be reading toward the end that will be included in the longer form of the reading. So um, pay attention, see where you can hear where that starts. But we're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, which I believe is in modern day Greece, and encouraging them in their belief in the Lord. Uh, and addressing the specific issues and problems that they were facing at that time. And so there was some uh, division uh, among like family relationships, and uh, especially in the areas of the Roman Empire that were closer in proximity to Rome and Greece and pagan worship of different gods. There'd be difficulty when like one person in the house, especially the patriarch, was still worshiping Roman or Greek gods, or the Greek gods had been adopted by Rome, and then the wife or the children wanted to convert. And so how do you deal with that division? How do you, um, you know, serve one another and what does family life look like? And so some of that can be uh, potentially the inspiration for some of these things that that Paul is writing. Uh, and, and also then to kind of bring forward from the old covenant and the old way of uh, relating to one another, how family is supposed to really blossom and be fruitful in the context of the new covenant and the sacrament of marriage in the Christian church. So um, this is Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 12, Paul writes, brothers and sisters, Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also do. And over all these, put on love. That is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. The word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as in all wisdom you teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands, as is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, so they may not become discouraged. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, a lot of things in this passage. What I really want to focus on here is this idea of putting on love, not having grievances against one another, and how it's clear here toward the end, God has a plan for marriage and family. Now, if you're listening to this, especially if you're female or if you're married, you probably heard that phrase, be subordinate to your husband's wives, and that probably didn't sound super fun. Uh, So I'd encourage you to go look at Ephesians chapter five, where that language is also used, where it says, uh, wives, be subordinate to your husbands, or and then uh, husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. So the sacrificial servitude goes both ways. And Pope John Paul II, when he was doing the theology of the body in his Wednesday sermons during his pontificate, he unpacked this verse and says, well, what does it mean for a wife to be uh, submissive to her husband? Well, to submit or submission means under the mission of. So the wife needs to be under the mission of her husband. The mission of the husband 
is to love her as Christ loved the church. So if the mission of the husband is to serve the wife, the wife, in order to be under that mission, means the wife is allowing the husband to sacrificially serve her, that she is open and receptive to that, and she is willing to reciprocate that. That is how Pope John Paul II interpreted this kind of in our modern context. So if that struck you as weird, hopefully those words kind of help put that in context. Paul is mainly writing this to help speak to division and disorder in family relationships and trying to rightly order them because there was a lot going on in the particular context of Colossae and the early church in some of these Roman areas where families were being divided or uh, the wealthy women of the city were kind of gaining traction and maybe converting to Christianity and supplanting the role of their husbands or belittling them. Or, you know, all these different types of family relationships were going on. And Paul is just kind of saying like, look, no, that's not right. God has a plan for marriage and for family. And I wanted that to be the springboard through which I address uh, a question that I've been getting a lot in the past few days about the recent declaration from uh, the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith on the meaning of blessings, especially blessings uh, in regard to same-sex couples or individuals. If you didn't know about this, this, uh, this document came out on Monday, December 18th. As I'm recording this, this was just two days ago. Um, and the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith is the body in the Vatican that issues um, doctrinal statements or pastoral practices that help apply the doctrines of the church to real world, world situations and gives recommendations or uh, instructions to the church on how to implement the teachings of the church or how to put certain you know sacraments into practice or whatever it is. So they're kind of like a, um, a uh, theological interpretive body to help guide the church. Okay. Um, and so they're, they're very committed to the doctrines of the church. They don't have the ability to change dogmas. They can uh, allow the articulation of doctrine to evolve and they can articulate doctrine in new ways um, because that doctrine can shift. But dogma, they cannot change. And practices, they can uh, recommend new practices uh, in the church. So this is a declaration called Fiducia Supplicans, um, and it is on the meaning of pastoral blessings. Um, and so the name Fiducia Supplicans, I can't remember what it means, but it comes from the first line of the document when it's translated into Italian or Latin. Um, so this has some context with it. So uh, in September of 2022, there were some bishops in Belgium who published a blessing ceremony for same-sex couples in their diocese. And uh, the, the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith in February of 2021 published something and affirmed that the church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of people of the same sex. Okay, So this was in stark contrast to like that letter. So they started doing this and that created some problems. They were told to stop. And then uh, this past March, they were doing the synod uh, on synodality. And there were some German bishops um, that had proposed this resolution to establish some kind of formal liturgical blessing of same-sex unions, as well as for people who are divorced or remarried Catholics, divorced or remarried Catholics. So in, in August of this year, the Archbishop of Berlin, Berlin said that he would not discipline any priests who provided those types of blessings. And, um, and, and so, yeah, there was, there was uh, a difficulty in this. So uh, there was a group of cardinals who wrote a letter to the Pope in July asking for clarification on the church's stance on same-sex blessings and, and other issues. It was called the dubia. If you heard the dubia, there's these five dubias, dubious things that they needed clarification on. And so Pope, Pope Francis really directly addressed those. He reaffirmed the teachings of the Catholic Church on marriage and things like that. 
But um, what he also uh, alluded to was that there is place for blessings. They just need to be in the right context. Okay. So this is the guidance that was that is coming out of that statement to provide guidance to what Pope Francis was alluding to. So um, it builds on a lot of the themes um, that Pope Francis laid out in his response to those cardinals. Um, and his response was published by the Vatican in October. And so this is just now two months later, um, finalizing or like articulating that in a very specific way. Um, so in the introduction to this document, Pope Francis actually references the the dubia, or the I'm sorry, the dicastery of the doctrine of faith. Pope Francis signed off on this document, but it's a di- the dicastery that wrote it. Um, so it says that Holy Father above mentioned response to the dubia of two cardinals. This declaration remains firm on the traditional doctrine of the church about marriage. Okay, so that is at the very beginning of this document. So if you've heard throughout the past week or weeks that. Pope Francis is now allowing same-sex couples to get married in the church or to bless their marriages or to bless their unions. Like, that's not what's happening. That's the the news media taking that off. The doc, document, just read the document. I'll link it in the show notes for this episode. If you read the document from the very beginning, it is absolutely clear that the teaching of the church on marriage and the sacrament of marriage remains the same, that we are not to allow any type of liturgical rite or blessing that might be similar to any kind of liturgical right to create any kind of sense of confusion. This document is meant to offer a very specific contribution to the meaning of blessings to permit a broadening and an enrichment of the classical understanding of it, which, yes, is closely linked to the liturgy, but is, does not, in this context, need to happen in the liturgy. Okay? So, um, what else does he write in this? So, I'm, I'm going to point out some different areas of this to help illuminate what this means, Okay? Um, So it's in this context that one can understand, this is in the introduction still, that one can understand the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations and same-sex couples without officially validating their status or changing in any way the church's perennial teaching on marriage. Okay, that verbatim is in the document. So it's very clear, whatever the church is saying that we can do and and that we, we have the ability to do is not something new. It's expanding our understanding of something we've already been able to do and applying it to a specific situation that cardinals and priests have been asking about in one particular area in the world to allow the existing sacramental of blessing. It's not a sacrament. Blessing is a sacramental. It says that in the Catechism, chapter uh, paragraph 1671, that it's the highest and first, uh, foremost uh, sacramental, that that can be something that's offered to anyone, regardless of their situation. And so this is a reminder of that but a very clear declaration that this is not to be confused with any affirmation or any type of acknowledgement of marriage. So where this gets confusing is that at least in the United States, at least in my context, when people come into the church and they haven't been married in the church, okay, so a man and a woman come into the church, they haven't been married into the, in the church, we tell them we need to bless your marriage. And what that means is we need to make it sacramentally valid, but we use that word bless kind of informally to describe that. That is not what is meant by these blessings. So that's where this can be confusing is you see the words blessing unions or blessing same-sex couples. It can have the, the sound of, oh, that can very easily be interpreted as blessing or validating their marriage as sacramental. And that's not what it is. The technical term for taking a union that was not in the church and recognizing it as sacramental is called convalidation. 
you will not find that anywhere in this document about what we're what the church is recommending we can do for couples in irregular marital or relational situations, okay? So that's how, however, why this language got very confused and why the media took off with it. So rest easy that from the very beginning of this document, they're being abundantly clear that is not what this is, okay? So I want to read a few areas of this. Um, in paragraph 11, it says, uh, when a blessing is invoked on certain human relationships by a special liturgical rite, it is necessary that what is blessed corresponds with God's designs written in creation and fully revealed by Christ the Lord. Okay? So if it happens in the liturgy, that's in the mass, it needs to align with what the church teaches. So then it says, for this reason, since the church has always considered only those sexual relations that are lived out within marriage to be morally licit, the church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or an extramarital sexual practice. So the church is saying you can offer blessings, but never in the context of the mass because that's confusing. And that can have the idea of morally legitimizing it without you intending to. So these things that the Belgian bishops were doing or the German, the German Archbishop of Berlin was saying he wouldn't punish priests for doing publishing or writing these rites to happen. A rite is something that happens at mass to bless same-sex unions or couples. The dicastery of the doctrine of faith is being very clear. We are not allowed to do that. We do not have the authority to do that. Okay? That's in chapter in paragraph 11. Now in paragraph 19, it says, In his mystery of love, through Christ, God communicates to his church the power to bless. So he's saying, here's what we can do. Granted by God to human beings and bestowed by them on their neighbors, the blessing is transformed into inclusion, solidarity, and peacemaking. It is a positive message of comfort, care, and encouragement. The blessing expresses God's merciful embrace and the church's motherhood, which invites the faithful to have the same feelings as God toward their brothers and sisters. So what this document is saying is a blessing is something that we can offer to anyone. And what it offers is comfort, encouragement, care. It helps them know they are included. They have a place in the family of God, but it is not an affirmation. It's an invitation to have the feelings toward others as God has toward us. So to see things through a, a redeemed point of view. Okay. In verse 20, uh, verse, I got to, you know, I'm, I mean, I read the Bible a lot, so I'm not going to apologize for that. In paragraph 25, uh, it specifies when people ask for a blessing, an exhaustive moral analysis should not be placed as a precondition for conferring it. For those seeking a blessing should not be required to have prior moral perfection. So, what they're specifying here is if you go to a priest and you say, can you please bless this rosary or can you please bless my my relationship or my marriage? Can you please bless me? The Pope, or the Pope, the priest who you ask does not say like, well, are you living a moral life? Do you deserve this blessing? Are you living together before you're married? Like he doesn't give you an interview to qualify your moral uh, requirements in order to receive a blessing. He just gives a blessing. So a blessing doesn't have any like any uh, conditions to it. There's no prerequisites to receive a blessing. Anybody, Christian, non-Christian, Catholic, non-Catholic can receive a blessing if it is asked for, if the person who is asked desires to give it. Um, it doesn't confer any type of validation on that person's life. Usually when people come forward for a blessing, they're recognizing they need the Lord. They need some kind of correction or action in their life. It's not like, please bless me so that everything in my life will be approvable. No one thinks that when they come forward for a blessing. They're asking for assistance. They're asking for help in their journey for holiness. That's what we can confer upon anyone 
And so Pope Francis is offering that as a solution, a sort of middle ground to where he's not going to compromise the teaching of the church on marriage. He's not going to allow things to happen in the liturgy that don't belong in the liturgy and can very easily be confused for something liturgical or sacramental. But he is using a pre-existing sacramental, a pre-existing practice of offering blessings to anyone and saying, if these people come forward, give them a blessing. But not at Mass, not in a way that is confused for a wedding, a ceremony, anything uh, that's liturgical or any formal rite that could be confused for affirming their union or calling it something sacramental. Absolutely not. Okay? So that is very clear in this document if you actually read it. Uh, Paragraph 31 uh, talks about blessing that comes from God um, is uh, given to those who, recognizing themselves to be destitute and in need of his help, do not claim a legitimation of their own status, but beg that all that is true, God, uh, true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, they're being clear here, the blessing is not to legitimize their status or to affirm their sin, the person receiving it, whoever it is. It is a recognition that all that is true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and relationships should be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation. It's not an approval. It's an invitation to healing and to grace. In, in paragraph 36, the document says, be careful that you should not, this should not become a liturgical or semi-liturgical act similar to a sacrament. We must be careful and intentional about that. Paragraph 38 specifies, for this reason, No, uh, sorry, for this reason, one should neither provide for nor promote a ritual for the blessings of couples in an irregular situation. Okay, so we shouldn't promote or provide for the ritual blessings of couples, ritual meaning at mass, in an irregular situation. At the same time, one should not prevent or prohibit the church's closeness to people in every situation in which they might seek God's help through a simple blessing. Okay? Not everyone is ready to participate in the Mass or receive the sacraments. Everyone can receive the grace of God and a blessing. That's basically what's going on here. Okay, Paragraph 39 elaborates further. In any case, precisely to avoid any form of confusion or scandal, when the prayer of blessing is requested by a couple in an irregular situation, even though it is expressed outside the rites prescribed by the liturgical books, this blessing should never be imparted in concurrence with the ceremonies of a civil union, and not even in connection with them. Nor can it be performed with any clothing, gestures, or words that are proper to a wedding. The same applies when the blessing is requested by a same-sex couple. So no matter someone's situation, if they're divorced or remarried, if they're living together and having premarital sex and they're not married yet, if they're in a same-sex union, whatever it is, you can confer a blessing upon them, but it should not in any way, in dress, gesture, or words, mimic anything that is proper to a wedding in the sacramental rite of marriage. It cannot happen in any relationship to an actual civil marriage or union. And it can have no connection to it whatsoever. So it definitely can't happen at a ceremony, but not even like that week or like in preparation for that. Like it can't be connected to that whatsoever. Okay. It further states in the following paragraph that such a blessing might instead find its place in other contexts, such as a visit to a shrine, a meeting with the peace, which a priest, which would be private, a prayer recited in a group, or during a pilgrimage. Again, these are very private things, not public things, that a person, an individual, or a couple would do with a priest or to go in pursuit of a priest just to find the opportunity to receive a blessing. Anybody could do this. Any individual, regardless of their situation, regardless of 
their the moral life or the immoral acts that they may be uh, committing can come forward for a blessing. Uh, and finally, paragraph 41, uh, thus, beyond the guidance provided above, no further responses should be expected about possible ways to regulate details or practicalities regarding blessings of this type. The document is very clear that we do not need a right or a formula for everything. It's not the job of the church or of canon law to make specifications or instructions explicit for every single situation. You look to the doctrine of the church and the dogmas, you adhere to that, and then you see where is their allowances to bring the mercy of God to people and his grace to them. That's exactly what this document is recommending. So it's not affirming the union of same-sex couples. The, the idea of same-sex couples was highlighted because it was mentioned in this document because of the context of the past two years of what was going on in Belgium and in Germany and these dubia questions that were proposed to, uh, to the Pope about these things that were going on, hoping that the Vatican would approve them or address them in some way. This is him addressing them. He, so that's why it's explicitly surrounding the idea of same-sex unions. But you could take that element out of this entire document and it would still be completely valid and applicable to all the same situations. To divorce or remarried Catholics, to single mothers, to people who might find uh, themselves feeling not welcome in the church or in very traditional or rural areas where the church is developed in third world areas where they're very much like super strict on the norms or on the moral life. And there are some practices where they won't even let anyone in who isn't completely morally aligned. Um the Pope is saying, like, there needs to be room for grace. Like, there needs to be room to recognize we're all sinners and that everyone is welcome in the family of God. We don't legitimize what they're doing or approve of it, but that doesn't mean we withhold the mercy of God either. So if you want to learn more about blessings, uh, you can look at the Catechism in paragraphs 1671 to 1673. I highly recommend that you look up this document from the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith. Again, it's called Fiducia Supplicans on the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings from the Dicastery of the Doctrine of Faith published December 18th, 2023, very recent. Um, and just be reminded that if you hear this panic and this is providing more fire for people saying like, oh, the church is falling into disrepair, the Pope isn't the true Pope, like we're falling into apostasy, blah, blah, blah. This is the signs of the the end times coming and the and revelation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's just not true. Like the church is smart. The church knows her stuff. She's been at this for 2000 years. We're not smarter than her. She's the one being guided by the Holy Spirit, not us. And even in times historically among incredible corruption among clergy, that corruption never, never infiltrated the teachings and doctrines of the church to a place where it brought the church in error. And this document in no way places the church in error. It is, it is affirming time and time again, this is what the church teaches, and we are not changing what we are teaching on the sacrament of marriage and what unions are allowed or licit or moral and what, which ones are not. Okay? The church, like the Pope, is infallible in the sense that the church cannot teach error because the, the word of God, the revelation of God in Jesus Christ is inerrant because he is perfect. And so the church will persevere. Jesus himself said, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And so if, if you're worried about the status of the church, I'd really encourage you to ask yourself, do you think that Jesus is a liar? Do you think that the Holy Spirit gave up or is somehow deficient? Because the Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere. And Jesus has always been faithful to his promises. God is with us, guiding us. We have not fallen into apostasy. We don't have a false pope. We have a pope who teaches in a different manner, in a different cultural style that's more conversational and can be interpreted in ways that are less clear. But we have bodies in the Vatican, like the Dicastery of the Doctrine of, uh, for the, the Doctrines of the Faith, um, that can help clarify and that have been clarifying throughout his entire pontificate 
most of these letters go unnoticed and these declarations go unread. This one made the news because of the context of the things that have been going on in the past several years in Belgium, in Germany, uh, and the uh, disrepair or I guess the um, really the schism and, and kind of heresy or apostasy that's being preached and believed by some Catholics and some Catholic officials uh, who are not in union with the, the infallible teachings of the church. And so um, don't worry. We're good. Read the document. And I was pleasantly surprised when I read the document how clear it was um, and how this is just an, a, a reminder to areas in the world that are being very scrutinous with who they let in and who they don't, that uh, everyone is welcome uh, in the family of God and that we can extend blessing to everyone. And also very clear to those who have taken it too far and are trying to legitimize things or change church teaching that that ain't never going to happen. We love everyone. God loves everyone. You don't need to change in order for God to love you, but God's love will change you. And so there is such mercy and compassion in this document. It recognizes there is a deep need for people to feel seen and heard and known by God and the church. And this is a way in which the church can be reminded that we need to be out there praying for people and blessing people and welcoming them and having conversations with them and not just judging them up front because of one component of their lives or what we assume about their morality based on how they live or who they love. Um, the teachings of the church are clear. We will never compromise those, and we should never compromise those. But we should also not dissuade or denounce people who do not yet understand the fullness of truth or do not yet have the capability of living it out because they're still new or yet to be revealed in a way that is compelling to them what their heart really longs for and is searching for. And that's up to us to clarify that for them. So it's important you read this document. It's important you can communicate it and articulate what it really says to other people in the church and outside of the church. So people in the church could um, just, you know, keep it together and not freak out and be able to defend the teachings of the church and not act like the church is falling apart and to articulate to those outside of the church to remind them that they're welcome. So I hope that's helpful to you. Thank you, Natalie, for recommending this episode and many other of you for asking me this question. Um, and uh, it helped me immensely in preparing this episode because I didn't have to think about what to say. So I just read the document and uh, provided some insight and I hope that uh, is a blessing to you. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for you. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist and have a Merry Christmas season. 